Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. G'day guys and welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Very interesting guest for you this week, my childhood friend, Hal Hunter. Uh, Hal's got an incredible story. Uh, He had two years on the list at Essendon, uh, played some great footy, big injuries, but uh, was unfortunately caught up in the 2012 supplement saga at Essendon. So he'll delve into that, tell us a little bit about it and the impact that that's had on his life. Uh, After finishing up footy, he started a business with his dad and his brother, Hunter Bro Cycling. They make bike kits and travel the world, race all over. It's absolutely incredible. And also to date, he's just opened up his own tattoo studio in Carlton. So stay tuned for that one. We'll get into that a bit later. Hal's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, he's got such a good outlook on life. He's honest. When he says something, he does it. He's ruthless. He's beautiful. But he's also the most kind and loving man. He'd do anything for his friends. Um, I've definitely learned a lot off this guy. So I hope you can too. So tune in. Uh, especially at the end, he gives a lot of advice on, uh, on career to date and what he's done post-footy. Also, this show would not be possible without our great friends at bonds.com.au. Go in store, go online, tell them Dill sent you. They'll look after you. We're all friends. Let's do it. Thank you. Hi, this is the Dill and Friends podcast. I'm Deborah, Dylan's mum. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you like the show as much as I do. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Dylan Friends podcast. This week, it's uh, it's a very special episode. I'm sitting down with one of my best childhood friends and friends to date. We've been through a lot together. It's been fantastic to see this guy and what he's done uh, throughout his life and post-footy and um, what he's up to now. So, guys, Hal Hunter. Hal, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Dylan. I'm uh, trying not to laugh, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honoured, actually. But also a little bit surprised that it's taken you this long to get me on. 100%. It has taken me a long time, but I, I like to space them out. You can't have all the good ones at once. That's so true. We're, uh, we're coming to you today actually from your new tattoo studio in Carlton, yep. mm-hmm. 1010 Ligon Street, Carlton. Yes. Uh, Carlton Original Tattoos. It's called Carlton Tattoo Co. Carlton Tattoo Co. <laughs> Close. So uh, we might be um, dabbling a little bit later on in that, but we'll see how we go. Um, Hal, we've always had an incredible career. For those, for those wondering, me and Hal have played footy together since under tens, and um, we're here now. So that's a quick, that's a very quick rundown. But we're going to get into it today. Um, look, I know you're a big fan of the show, and uh, I know you know how it works, mate. But um, I like to get into how we first met. Yeah. And it was a long time ago now, a very pretty long. long time ago. Yeah, pretty long time. Um, I'd say we would have been six or seven. Now I know where you're going with this, and I actually don't remember this, but I will take your word on it. Oh, I actually don't even know where we're going with this. Well, what are you? Are we thinking? going back to Auskick? Oh, Auskick, yeah, yeah. Well, I only did one day at Auskick. I went to Auskick, rocked up. They said, "No, nah, mate, you're too good." <laughs> you sent me home. Yeah, and they said I was too shit. So, um, no. Nah, well, I don't know if you're going here, but this is pretty much my recollection from what you've told everyone yeah. publicly. <laughs> publicly shamed me was that you came to Auskick for one day, and I pushed you, and you never came back. That actually could be true, to be honest. I think that actually mm. did that. You were a bit of, you were actually a man child. Yep. Um, we all know that's public knowledge. But <laughs> you, um, you were a big boy. But 
we'll go back to under fifth, under tens. Under okay? tens. So I don't want to remember that because obviously you'd, you'd bullied me into something. But um, we went, we played footy together under tens at Fitzroy. Yep. Obviously Fitzroy Footy Club, one of the best footy factories in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. we were there together under tens, and that's where it started. Um, you were, as I said earlier, quite a large, large man. Yep. You had big long hair. Didn't say a lot. You were shy, uh-huh. but you were unassuming and and bold. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's where it all kicked off. Yeah. Um, yeah, under 10s. I don't actually know why I started playing footy. Well, I do actually from what mum told me. It's a bit embarrassing, but I saw um, I was very hyperactive as a kid. And um, I went to the doctor. And mum, well, mum took me to the doctor <laughs> to say like, what are we doing with this kid? And the doctor said that either I had to get on heavy meds, which I didn't want to do, or move to a farm and essentially become like a recluse and live there forever <laughs> or do like some sort of sport. So yeah, we picked footy. That no, worked out for the best. Let me paint a picture because Hal was one of those kids that when he'd come around for a play date, there was probably a list, a, a list probably about a thousand words of foods and cordials <laughs> and stuff that he wasn't allowed to have. Um, red cordial, no. Nah. Tomato sauce, no. Yeah. Um, what else was on? It was probably a shorter, it was a shorter list what you were allowed to have. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was all part of it. So I was like, a, considered a heavy food reactor, affected my moods. Um, it probably still does, but I don't abide by those rules anymore. But I do remember going to like um, primary school and stuff and just having, no, I'm not even kidding. My lunch was plain pasta. <laughs> like just cooked, nothing else. And that was it. So that was my childhood. Water, plain pasta. Um, I love my parents, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then occasionally I get like a, a buttered bread sandwich or something. Yeah, true. Which was, um, yeah, it's good. It so, good yeah, trip. I'm enjoying all the foods the world has to offer now. <laughs> At 26. Yeah, <laughs> finally. Um, now, again, as we played footy, but obviously we became very good mates. Um, and gee, we had one of the best childhoods going around. I, I, it's funny when you look back at when you're a kid because I don't remember going to school ever. No, nah, neither do I. Is that just a memory you just don't have? Because it must have been school holidays. Cause I actually I remember, didn't yeah. really go yeah. to school. You didn't. <laughs> I, rem- I actually remember, so we were probably like, what was it, under 13, under 12s, we probably started taking it really seriously. Yeah. And I remember honestly thinking, this is it. Like, this is my life, footy. <laughs> and I 12. was 12. And um, yeah, it just continued on. Like, I used to go to, so we, we didn't go to the same high school. You went to Ivanhoe. Yep. And I went to Wesley. And I remember probably from about year 10, I started only going to school at lunchtime to use the gym and then I'd just go home. And I guess like you can probably say now that it paid off somewhat <laughs> in sort of like getting me like to somewhere to where I wanted to go in footy. But yeah, for the, the education side of things, it wasn't great. And especially when mum and dad are paying about 40 grand to put you through school. It's not fantastic. Yeah. The gym membership down the road at Fernwood's probably... Yeah, well, it's well, actually probably about that. I paid them back, man, with the two-year AFL career. So. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because um, as, as we said earlier, like, we were on our bikes... We're on our bikes, backpacks, skateboards on the backpack. In the backpack was a footy, probably some spray cans. Yes. Ah, oh, the graffiti. Um, it's actually funny you say that. Someone's like graffiti scratched the window here at the new shop. And um, when I noticed that Bella was like, oh my God, that is so annoying. And I was like, oh, I can't really get that upset. <laughs> it's probably karma. It's, a, it's definitely karma. But um, yeah, graffiti. I can't remember what you wrote, but I've still got a few pieces no, up never around. Dabbled, never dabbled in that. That was silly. Yeah, all legal, obviously. Um, 
But yeah, bikes, skateboards. I don't think we were very good at either. None. But. You know what we did do though? Stone was left unturned. We, we That's had a, true. We didn't, we, uh, we didn't die wondering with that career. No. Nah. Surfing um, as well? Surfing. You were more of a surfer than me. I yeah. was more of a paddler. I came, <laughs> I, I'd go surfing and just paddle. By the time I got out the back, I was too stuffed. And then I was too scared to actually catch a wave in. I had to wait for the sets to die down and, and come. But that was a good phase. Uh, we used to do that one. That was, that was yeah. good. I actually um, considered quitting footy to surf. You, you've had... I've never known a guy to have more phases than you. Oh, it's every day. And you've done them all. All right. Let's talk about draft time. Okay. So uh, from that team, obviously, we were both lucky enough to get picked up. Um, you went to Essendon? Yeah. So, yep pick 60 something in the rookie draft um i'll be the first one to say i was lucky to get picked up um i think i was one of those players who like i had i had a bit of talent but most like most of where i got to was like just through effort and um and hard work like i wasn't that quick um athletically like i wasn't the best skill wise definitely not the best um but yeah i think for pretty early on i knew that um, and then, yeah, throughout my draft year, so I was at under 18s, I only played four games. So, yeah, it was like pretty touch and go whether or not I get picked up. But um, I had some good support from like all the staff at Calder Cannons. And um, yeah, they sort of helped me get across the line with Essendon. And then, yeah, so I got drafted as an injured player. So that was a bit of a an odd thing for me. Um, or not for me, it was obviously my only experience, but... Yeah, I guess I was pretty lucky. And throughout your career, you did have a lot of injury concerns, few hammies. Yep. Uh, I think few. you. Were, I think you were the first bloke to ever do a syndesmosis. Like you said, <laughs> no, you honestly were the first bloke to do that because ever since then they're, they're coming from everywhere. I know. I keep seeing them, and I'm like, as soon as I see it happen, I'm like, oh, that's a syndesmosis. But um, that was I actually did one in my last game ever. I remember it was like got um, Fun. I remember it in my mind as getting chaired off to like a standing <laughs> ovation. <laughs> at Casey Fields um, God's country But yeah From probably in reality There was one person there And they were probably Booing me or something But um Yeah Did my syndesmosis In my second year Um Which is actually Probably pretty That was probably The most disappointing thing Because I played the first 14 games of the season Which was The most consistency I'd had in Maybe four years Um And Yeah Then Did my syndesmosis And yeah Haven't played another game Of footy since So it's a good, good injury to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, obviously, look, we've, we've chatted about this in person before, but you, you, you can have a chat about today. There was obviously the Essendon the supplements uh, saga that went on there. Okay? We're not hiding that. Um, you were there in the, the whole, pretty much the whole time of that, yeah. the two years that you were at the club. Um, what was it like? And what, what's it like to this day? Like, what, what can you tell? I know just as well, like, obviously, legally bound by a few things that you obviously can't talk about, yeah. but there is a few things that you can comment on. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess, like, so my first year, which was 2012, was the year that it all was happening, but we didn't know. Yeah. Um, so, I just thought, yeah, I guess, like, it was, my, it was my first AFL club, so I really had no idea. So, every experience I just thought was, I guess, what the norm was. Um, so, yeah, as you said before, I was on the rookie list. I was the youngest player on the list. Um, I was injured at the time when I got drafted. So I was pretty keen to to you know, I put in the effort and do absolutely everything. And it really was. Like, I, you know, I, I only had two years on the list, but I, I 
honestly have no regrets because I can I can say to myself and I know it to be true that I honestly couldn't have done anything else extra to try and further my AFL career. So um yeah, you know, I was doing obviously all the recovery stuff and then um all of the, you know, seeing the doctors, the physio and then the medical staff and all that shit. Um and I just thought it was yeah, just part of the the norm, you know, like going and seeing doctors and getting bloods taken and all of that stuff. And it wasn't till um yeah, pretty early on in the second year that when we we sort of got told about the self-reporting and then it all really kicked off and <laughs> it's it's been a few years now, but unless you were like there and experienced it, it is you honestly wouldn't believe like how how it was going down and um it was like you were living like a real life movie. Um and I and I honestly had no idea like what was going on and I can still tell you to this day, it's like I can think back to so many times throughout that year where I was just sitting there going like, I'm, I'm here every day. Everyone's telling me all of this stuff and I couldn't tell you even remotely what's happening. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then, and then just imagine like, so I'm there at the club and then you, I'm trying to obviously get a game as well. Um, so there's the footy side, then there's the supplement side and then there's all of the scrutiny from outside media and then even like your family and stuff like trying to explain what's going on and um yeah it was a pretty crazy time do you remember the exact moment when they would have like actually pulled everyone in and been like you know there's i've been at a club where they've had those crisis meetings they call them and there's like everyone comes in you get the message it's like all right boys meet you at four o'clock and you're like oh god something's going down yeah i remember um i remember that being in the meeting and getting told and it was that classic like I mean, you get told something that's like very complicated, obviously. And I think the people, um, you know, and after all of it, like I will say this, it's like, I don't hold anything against Herdy or, or the coaching staff from, from, from what, from based on the information that I've got. Um, because I honestly just think it all, like my honest opinion is that it all came about just through you know like a lack of understanding or being out of your depths in whatever your job role was um but yeah i remember being in the in the in the room getting told i seriously had no idea what they were talking about i think all of us were just sitting there going what are you even talking about there was no talks of bands or anything like that at that stage um and then the only other time like crisis meeting thing i really remember is i was actually getting tattooed at the time and i had to tell my artist um like i was like man i'm gonna have to go like i've just been called into work for this sort of meeting and he was like what are you talking about and i was like well i can't i'm not going to explain the whole thing to you but i was like i just got to go so i'm left with a half finished tattoo so that was good um but yeah from then on it was pretty much just like throughout the whole year it was everything as normal training wise but then it was like you know every few days you'd have some sort of update meeting and then you know you were sort of i was trying not to but you can't help but read what's in the media and stuff like that and there was you know there was so many different phases of i guess the whole saga you know like it went on for fucking years Mm. and i still don't think really anyone knows what happened what was going on 
yeah no mate it's incredible and it's it's all so hard i suppose like i can't imagine what it's like for you but even as a mate and as someone that was in that industry as well you just couldn't help but fulfill for the boys and i love what you said before like i don't think as well that like anyone was doing this to like hurt anyone it was just like one of those things that like probably the due diligence just wasn't done yeah and that's like that's it you know like um i think what i've really learned after coming out of the system and everything is that footy clubs are just like big small businesses you know you go there you think it's this this massive thing and and it is you know but it's it's also i think i think it's probably changed now since this um since the drug stuff but i think at the time it was just like they weren't run like you know big corporations and stuff probably should be and at the end of the day the people who lost out the most were probably the players um and you know initially everyone was worried or just trying to figure it out and then it was like everyone was worried about like getting banned and then you know once i got delisted and i knew i wasn't playing the ban wasn't so much of a worry i was more worried about like what actually long term what what are the side effects and the health issues that could potentially arise from this um which you know i guess that sort of divided the playing group a little bit um you know i was not on the list after that so i didn't really have any sort of like i wasn't trying to keep my contract or get another contract or continue my afl career or anything like that i'd i'd retired from footy after getting delisted so um, my whole focus was on just finding out like what happened what we got given what are the potential side effects after that um and you know like i had a few like as i'm sure everyone does you know you go like ups and downs health wise and stuff and you know just having the back of your head the whole time it's like well is this related to that um you know like not that not that i'm planning on having it but you know i've been in a long-term relationship married um you know like kids are on the cards i guess like in the future and you know i wanted to know like what was the potential you know issues around that if any um and once you start thinking about that stuff you know then it was like well the footy stuff was sort of irrelevant you know um it didn't matter that i played no games and i was only a rookie and whatever like that was you know i i deserved the same amount of sort of respect and attention as Joe Watson who'd won Brownlow medal and you know was the captain of the club at the time um so yeah it was a pretty difficult time and then obviously after that it got into the legal stuff which um which is messy but um at, yeah at the end of that you know the AFL and Essendon were actually really good in helping get get that resolved um I'd never been in any sort of like big legal dispute or anything ever so um and I'm sure anyone who has been in one would tell you that even if you do get a good result at the end of the day you'd probably rather not being there in the first place you know so um it really did sour yeah the whole afl career and playing footy and stuff and i had to take some time away from it um after that but now yeah getting back into watching always kept up with what you were doing and yeah big fan of the needful (laughs) (laughs) not so much but um (laughs) I knew you were playing, at least. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was good fun. I, I had a good time. Um, so, obviously, after finishing 
your career, uh, you finished up. Now, look, actually, I just want to talk about, we love a coach spray on this. And we were chatting before, you couldn't, I don't know if you've got any good ones, but we're talking about your, your, your um, exit interview, which wasn't funny at the time. I don't know if it's funny now. You just said it was. So I was like, all right, we'll go with it. <laughs> what? How did it transpire? All right. Um, Keep in mind, you're, you're a kid, you're a 19 year old kid, and you really don't want to be delisted. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had the, my first year. Only played maybe five games in the VFL. Was lucky enough to get another contract. I don't know why, to be honest, but I got one. Um, they probably hadn't seen enough yeah. to even make up a decision. Oh, mate, that's my career. Eight years of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, second season, I think played, yeah, 14 games in a row, then did my syndesmosis, and that was the end of the season. Um, it was a pretty crazy year at the club, obviously, with the drug stuff. So um, I honestly had no idea what was going on contract-wise, like, you know, I, I probably hadn't shown enough to get another go. Um, but yeah, we had, we had the Mad Monday after the season and then my exit interview was the next day. And I went in totally like, just hadn't even thought about it. Hadn't thought about, oh, what's the possibility of not getting another contract? Like, what are they going to say? And I don't know. I think it just, it just honestly took me by surprise. Yeah. And it shouldn't have. Yeah. It really shouldn't have. <laughs> I should have gone in there knowing 100% it was happening. And if it didn't, then it was a miracle. But, and as soon as I said it, I was just like, I think it just rattled me. And I was more embarrassed than anything. All the, like the head coach and all the um, coaching staff and stuff were there. And I think it just rattled me and I just like fell apart. And um, like, yeah, once it sort of goes for me, then it's all going. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I just, have, I just remember sitting there. It would have been a good five minutes. And I was just sitting in the chair. There was five other people in the room at least. And I was just crying. Nothing got said either. It <laughs> what been, were they doing? <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. It would have been so awkward, man. I remember um, Ash Brown, who was the player welfare manager, he was sitting there as well. And it was just like, and then I just sort of, it was silent, obviously, and I was still crying. And I was just like, oh, I've got to get out of here. So I got up, said, up. I said yeah. thanks, and then just like left. And uh, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it's really not funny. But it's it not is. funny, but it, it is funny that it was just like, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> And all I remember that they said was, you're probably one of the most liked guys at the club. And I was just thinking, why are you even saying that? Yeah. Irrelevant. Yeah. You may as well have just said I was the fucking shittest bloke ever. Because that's what you pretty much did. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so embarrassing. Oh, well, man, I've done it twice. So yeah. don't worry. You get used to it. Sort I'll of. tell you, I haven't actually, as I said earlier, I haven't, I was like the effort guy. Yeah. So like rehab, swimming, I was doing 5k swims for yeah. no reason. Yeah. Underwater swimming competition, I won it. Yeah. So probably the under 15 granny, the underwater swimming competition, and I beat Joe Watson in a goal kicking competition once for a coffee, which he never bought me. Um, thanks, Job. They were probably my achievements. So, yeah. um, but one thing I actually pride myself on, I'm really, I'm really proud of it, was after my first year, I was so heavy. Low skin folds, which is probably just nat naturally yeah, lucky. Lean machine. But I was weighing 95 kilos, which is probably, which is heavy for someone my weight. No wonder you did like 18 hammies. Yeah. Well, in hindsight now, it all makes sense. <laughs> but at the time, I was just like, I want to be massive. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, Herdy pulled me in. He goes, all right, Hal, you need to lose some weight over the break. And I'm like, 
why? And he's like, you need to be able to run better. And I was like, all right, cool. So this is how like serious I took it. I went away for three weeks by myself to Sydney, well, a bit north of Sydney, Central Coast. And like, I was my whole goal was to lose weight. So I, did, I pretty much didn't eat. Three weeks later, lost 12 kilos. Came in, yep, started preseason. I was absolutely flying. Like, I seriously couldn't believe it. And I remember Simon Goodwin said to me, he's like, mate, you're on here. This is like a good year. And then, you know, fast forward, we know obviously what happened, but we went to Gold Coast preseason camp, hot. I was like, I was actually flying. And you don't want to be flying day one of preseason because it's a long, a long, long journey. <laughs> 2k time trial Gold Coast I was like all right. I was in a shit running group so it was me all the ruckmen <laughs> there's probably like 30 of us and shirtless Gold Coast athletics track which was probably like my prime and I was like right, I'm feeling good here been training lost a bunch of weight we started off one lap in I'm like nah this is not quick enough for me my previous personal best was a 340 uh, sorry a 6 minute 40 which is not good for a midfielder, but um, and that I was, was like, that was oh, my best. I want to run a sub six minute, so I was going for a forty second PB. After the first lap, I'm leading it out, and I'm just off, like fully off. Gapped everyone, going way too hard. Don't know why. And with four hundred meters to go, so one lap, I was on track to run a five fifty nine, and I seriously couldn't believe it. What do you reckon I ran? Six oh one. A six forty five. <laughs> what? I died. You could you could I couldn't even tell so you how bad it was. Lost your, you actually lost I didn't even get my PB. <laughs> so in four hundred meters I went from being on track to run a sub six minute to running worse than my PB. <laughs> I was I couldn't I had to take the rest of the day off as well. <laughs> I fully had buckled myself so badly I I couldn't even walk. And I know like, yeah, preseason is hot or whatever. I just gone way too hard. And all I remember was um, the weapon who was our head of fitness with a hundred meters to go, was kneeling down, just screaming, sprint, sprint. In the last hundred meters, five guys passed me. Oh my God. I couldn't do it. And then <coughs> I couldn't even do the warm down. I pretty much lay face down in the middle of the athletics track for an hour. And then Hurdy came up, he's like, mate, we loved it, but you just went. That all the coaches were there. Yeah, They're like you just went way too hard. <laughs> and I was like, you nearly oh. got to bottom out sometimes like that. That's the way to do it. Well, that was it, mate. And that was like that was the but effort. Can I say that's you to a nut? That is like you to a T. <laughs> like that is you wrapped up as a person. So pretty much when people say like, "How was your AFL career?" I'm like, "Well, mate, tell them that story." Should have seen this two KRR run. Could Day one of preseason. <laughs> but I'm actually glad I didn't run the sub six minute because that would have then everyone been like, "All right, you're fit." Because mm. I never got close to that ever again. So um, yeah, that was probably that was probably another highlight of my career. <laughs> Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie Broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie Broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie Broadband Mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. Oh, yes, I've been waiting for this one, guys. Bonds and the AFL are in a collaboration. They've made the Bonds AFL Zippies. You know those little zippy costumes for newborns to three-year-olds? They're bloody fantastic. 
They're on sale from Thursday the 21st of November until sold out. They're limited edition, so make sure you get in quick. Available from all AFL stores and online, club merch stores, and www.bonds.com.au. The 10 featured clubs are the Geelong Cats, the Western Bulldogs, Essendon Bombers, Hawthorne Hawks, Collingwood Magpies, the Tigers, the Eagles, the Crows, the Blues, and the Lions. So make sure you get in quick. While stocks last, get yourself a zippy. Uh, we talk about post-footy now, okay? So you finish up, and uh, whatever young man does when they finish up, I'm in that transition now, you look for yep. a job. Okay, you're looking mm-hmm. for a job. You bounce around a few things. My favourite story about you, which I just knew was never going to work, you sign at a local club, you start your carpentry apprenticeship, you quit that in three days, and you quit the local club, you never play footy again. That's pretty much yep. one story. The other one that I love the most, and for all those listening out there, Hal now owns his own tattoo studio. He's been tattooing for six years. Yep. So you're inked up, man. Tattoos from top to bottom. And um, at this stage, you you were you know you had a few, and you went and had a meeting at a VFL club, <laughs> and it was all looking pretty good. You had a good meeting with this guy. Um, you're about to sign, and he goes, "There's just one more thing," and yep. you had a few tattoos on your arms. He goes. If you're going to play for me, I want you to wear a long sleeve jumper every week. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So I've had a few of those those talking to. Um, I started getting tattooed when I was 16 with, um, you know, which is like, I probably wouldn't advise that, but it was obviously something I was into. So it's a bit, it's my life now, so um, I can't complain. But <laughs> I remember, yeah, so I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, it was at the VFL club in Werribee. And I was like, oh, do, I, do I really want to play footy? I, I was unsure at the time. Like I was going through all the legal stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, mate, we don't want individuals on this team. You got to wear a long sleeve. And I was like, well, it's pre-season. It's 40 degrees, <laughs> mate. <laughs> and I was just like... Who I was, says that though? Well, a few people have said it. Um, I was actually like, I got along with him really well, Bomber Thompson. Um, but I remember he pulled me aside once. I had... I had a few tattoos, all pretty much hidden. And he just goes, mate, unless you win a fucking Brownlow medal, don't you get another tattoo? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. What um, the hell? So, yeah, I didn't win Bomber a Brownlow. Doesn't, can't, I don't really think Bomber can say too much about anything. Probably not now, yeah. but at the, at the time, time... we had a bit more... Yeah. Um, but just <laughs> we are... When we're talking tattoos, like now, it's 2019. 19. And... You've got tattoos. Like you've probably got a little bit of skin left. Um, yeah, I got, got um. What have you got? Everything really? I got my ass. Oh, like bits of well, most of my ass to go, and like the around the front of what your ass would be. Yes, the uh, bits of that. Yes, the junk. Um, but there's always like there's always room for more. I want to talk about each tattoo. So basically, you get you get the apprenticeship. You're starting, but yep. A lot of people probably wouldn't know what. Are some of the best and worst tattoos that you've ever done on someone so i'm talking best that you've ever done in terms of like ones that you like you yeah. like tattooing obviously you love tattooing traditional yeah so traditional old school um you've got incredible yep. photos here that we'll, we'll put up and open for business dylan friends code for maybe a percent discount <laughs> and some of the worst talk me through them oh mate there's been a lot so um yeah like tattooing i guess is like it always somehow brings you back to earth. No matter how long you've been doing it or how good you think you are. Um, yeah. 
you can always you always get a reality check from tattooing, which I do like. And that was like um, I'll get I'll get to answer your question in a sec, but <laughs> <laughs> probably when I was like started my apprenticeship, I was also had just finished footy and I was going through the whole legal thing and it was in the paper every day. And it was honestly the best thing for me because it doesn't matter like if you're known or you know, you've done other things in your life. It's like, you're only as good as the tattoo you do on the day. So, you know, I wasn't good when you start, obviously. Um, um, and some I've, people I've with proof. tattoo, <laughs> yep. Well, that's your fault, but um, yeah, it was good. And the guys at the shop, Scott and Bobby, who were apprenticing me, they were really, really good about it. And they not, not like put me back in my place, but didn't allow any customers or anyone to sort of like treat me like I'd achieved more in tattooing just because I'd played footy or anything like that. But um, I do remember, and this was actually probably before I even started tattooing. I had like all the kit, tattoo machine, needles, ink and all that stuff. I was at home and you called me one night, um, <laughs> you and your mate Moxon, and like, how can you tattoo me? I was pretty, I'm pretty sure you were drunk. Um, and I was like, I was desperate to do just any tattoo, obviously. <laughs> I would turn you away now, but at the time I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. You came in, you wanted to fucking some shit on your toes. Which, toe sleeve. <laughs> toe sleeve, man. Which they're still coming into fashion, the toe sleeve. I'm still waiting. I didn't know at the time. I know now, obviously. Not easy to do. Bro. Painful, one, incredibly painful. <sighs> Two, actually really hard to like execute. Yeah, because I found out both. Um, one the pain to the execution of it um, it like I still don't know to this day whether you were actually trying to hurt me or like that's I'm not. actually how they feel I'm not a sadist. I'm telling you now that is one of the like obviously came in to it's Hell's next house. level pain I, I remember rocking up to your house we got a cab from where we were um, and having a few cordials and thought it was a good time as everyone does and we rocked up and I was like geez we're actually going to do this and I rock up to Hell's house he's got some glad wrap just over his coffee table with yep. a needle just like sticking out and I go oh my god it was my a full home job set up it was home job it was sanitary it was clean but it doesn't look it doesn't look it like look a nice studio does it, didn't, it? it doesn't look no. like we are right now and uh, obviously Mox went first we rocked off and he took it so well he was just sitting there like oh this is great and <laughs> I I can't express to you how much that hurt like, I'm not even joking like, it was the worst thing I've ever done but I remember I'm just so lucky that I've got this amazing ink of toe sleeve <laughs> now that I people still ask me like, is that a tattoo? I'm like, oh, I was yeah, I honestly in tears trying and trying to tattoo and like had zero experience, which is not a good combination. Mate, I, I wouldn't want to do it now, like at all. A toe tat on anyone, drama. You know, they heal terrible because you can't look after them. Yeah. They fucking kill to get done so people don't sit well. And they're such a small area. So it's like not fun to do. But man, I remember sitting on the floor, which is, I remember that's not like an ideal tattoo <laughs> setup. Sitting on the floor, doing these tattoos on your feet, on your toes, and just crying with laughter. And I'm surprised there's anything there. Still. No, still good man still good that's what tattoos are they don't go anywhere have you got another one since i'm not i'm hoping that i, I have one rule and it's with my tattoos obviously i'm love my tattoos uh, and and they can only be done by you okay and they can only be done out of hours 
So yeah. I, I don't want anything professionally done. If that nah. makes sense. I just want sort of like you want true art. I want true art. I want yeah. like it's not about what's there; it's the story behind it. I feel. Well, um, you've got that one. I actually was going to chat to you. I actually do want to get another one on my other toe, of um, <laughs> a unicorn. I don't want to do it. Like I want a unicorn, like dude, you know, like a doodle. Yeah. Not like a good drawing. I want like the outline, like yep. really crappy unicorn drinking mm-hmm. a beer. Why? Because. Um, in Sydney, obviously, I lived in Sydney for two years, moving back soon. And we had this pub there, the Unicorn Hotel. It's like yeah. my favorite pub in the world. And it sort of just represents Sydney to me and the two years there. So I want you to do that one for me oh, when we can. God. But I, I don't want it to be good. So Well, I can, I can apply you that You have to well. do it with your left hand or something. I'll just do it with my right hand. It won't <laughs> be good anyway. We talk about, um, you say like a tattoo artist is nearly like a therapist sometimes. Is there any funny stories of people coming in getting tattoos, like just either just crap ones like Southern Cross or is there anyone... I've actually only done one Southern Cross and like for the listeners who don't know much about tattoos, it's like I like traditional tattoos, which is like, I guess like classic designs, like American Your Jaguars, your skulls. Yeah, pretty much skulls, panthers, tigers, roses, eagles. That's pretty much it. Um... But I knew from like when I started, that's all I liked. Like I appreciate other styles, realism, all that stuff, but I'm just not into it. And I've been lucky enough to sort of have it now. So I pretty much, well, I tattoo exclusively traditional appointments only. Um, I guess like social media, you would know this is great for um, all different sort of art platforms. And it's been- X, Hell Hunter X. Yep. At X. Hellhunter X on Instagram, guys, check um, it out. So yeah, that's what I'm into. And um, that's not saying that, you know, if, if you want like, you know, a little bit of script with your mum's name on it, that you shouldn't get it. But, you know, I'm into traditional. Um, so yeah, I've only done the one Southern Cross, which I would actually love to do more because they're really easy to do. <laughs> but yeah, oh mate, there's been a million tattoo nightmare stories. I remember... um the first back tattoo i ever did <laughs> and i guess like the holy grail of tattooing is doing like back pieces it's a canvas it's the biggest yeah. biggest canvas it's a big commitment from the customer because they never ever see it and it hurts a lot and it takes ages so um if you can do exclusively back jobs you'd be pretty happy so i remember the first one i ever did it was this young kid he was only, he'd only just turned 18. It was his first tattoo, which is like all like the warning signs for like back, not going to be a good time. Back piece. <laughs> no, like and so get a toe sleeve first. Nah, so it was, it was weird because it wasn't like a full back piece. He wanted some like Arabic lettering, which is easy. You outline That's both easy. You sides. You speak Arabic. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he bought it in printed out, mate. Oh, all right. So, yeah, and right, I said, does this say what you wanted to say? He was like, yep. Oh no. And um, no, nah, it's not what you think. But so it's like, Outline both sides, just fill it in solid black. Easy. But he wanted it to be hidden from his mum. So he got it on his whole back. Massive. So it was huge. And I was like, mate, this is my first back piece. This could be like a really good tattoo. Like I'm excited. And then this is when I knew it wasn't going to be good. I'm like, oh man, this is going to hurt. Like you're ready. It's going to take two and a half hours to outline and then come back in two weeks and we'll fill it in. And he was like, yep, yep, I'm a boxer, so I know how to like take pain. And I'm like, oh, mate, it's not the same, you know? It's it's definitely not. not. You could be the toughest person in the world. Can't cop it. Physically, fighting or wrestling or anything. 
tattoo pain is fully different. Um, and generally, people who like think they're tough do really bad. So yep. <laughs> and if and it is honestly like, if you've got a tattoo, you would probably know this. But if you don't, just some advice: if you think it's not going to hurt, it doesn't matter how many tattoos you've got, it'll wreck you. And if you go in thinking it's going to be really painful, it's probably not as bad as you think. Oh, I went in thinking it was going to be really painful and it was still worse than what I thought. So I can't vouch for any yeah. of that. But anyway, first line on this kid, he's doing a fucking scorpion, like getting levitated off the bed. He was in that much pain. And I was like, had only just finished my apprenticeship and I was getting flustered, man. Like, I was like, am I doing something wrong here? Am I hurting him too much? whatever and he was dying i remember all the other guys from the shop just coming in going like what the fuck is going on in here and i'm not even kidding you could hear him screaming from outside the shop and it was it fully rattled me and i was trying to do it and the worst bit was his dad who would come along was standing there like he's so he's lying on a massage bed head down his dad was crouching down in front of his head and just yelling in his face you're a pussy <laughs> I, I was just like, and I was <laughs> sitting there. I was sitting there, and he was serious. He was crying, obviously, yeah. and he was going, "I'm sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry." And his dad's going, "You're so, you're the biggest pussy." And I was just like, "Oh my god!" And I finished the outline. I did it as quick as I could. It pro- I had in my mind that it was terrible because I just was like, I wanted to get it over and done with. <laughs> he booked back in for two weeks later. Came back without his dad, thankfully. The outline was way better than I thought. Filled it in. He sat way better because he obviously knew what it was going to feel like. And then um, I never saw him again. But (laughs) it's fully burned into my memory just doing this tattoo. I was inexperienced, obviously. And this guy just crouching in front of his kid and just ripping him. And I don't know what the family dynamic was, but it was... I wonder if mum ever found out. Oh, she would have seen it, mate. It was his whole back. I don't know how he meant to hide that, but... um. Oh, there's been a lot of other nightmare tat stories, but I could go on forever. <laughs> Yours was probably one of them. That was one of them. Um, now, mate, one of my favourite things about you, or obviously, uh, you've got you've got another cycling company as well. Yep. Hunter Bros Cycling. So that's your brother and your dad. Yep. Uh, it's a beautiful family dynamic there. And um, I, I, without even asking, I know you're probably all about this, but kissing dad on the lips. <laughs> I know you're into it. Um, surely, surely after a long day of, of cycling, there's nothing better than just celebrating a sale with a little, just a little smooch. I'm not the most affectionate guy, <laughs> so you can ask Bella, my wife. I barely even kiss her on the lips, mate. So yeah, the lips of a dad. <laughs> I'll say it's acceptable because I know that's what you're wanting. <laughs> um, the cycling kits are incredible. They've got all the traditional patterns on them as well. Um, we'll get some flicks up for them for guys, but they are they are unreal. So you got the Hunter Bro Cycling team. Um, travel, you pretty much travel around the world and do cycling, hey? Yeah, so I guess it's like my second life, um, like other than tattooing, but they work in together. Yes. Um, so pretty much, yeah, at the same time that I started my tattoo apprenticeship, dad was working in the fashion industry and he wanted to sort of start his own thing. And we were into cycling because I couldn't run because of my syndesmosis. Um, <laughs> So we can thank footy for that, getting me into cycling as well. Um, But yeah, and I was like, I was interested in exploring sort of all the options and I was doing obviously a lot of painting and drawing and stuff. So yeah, we started a cycling apparel brand. Um, We started in 2014, but we probably only really figured out what we were doing 
um, in the last maybe two years. But yeah, it's a full-on thing. So I try to do four days a week and then I'm pretty much do three days a week at Hunter Bros. My brother is there two days a week. Dad does it full-time. And we've got um, one of Ray's friends from school who <laughs> was a big fan of yours actually, Fergus yeah. Brown. Fergie, um, So he's just come on actually in the last week um, as our head graphic designer. So he actually works, yeah does three days a week for us um at the hunterborough studio which is in collingwood but um yeah it's such a weird the way it's all sort of worked out so it's like it's definitely alternatives like apparel just with the designs and everything like that um but yeah all of the other stuff that's come from it that we didn't expect was um yeah the travel we've got a race team which you know largely consists around me and my brother um you know, we've done like bike frame collaborations with um, a few of the team sponsors, like Engine Eleven, who are a Korean brand. And then, yeah, pretty much for the last four years, we've we've raced over in America, through Asia. Um, just got back from China the other week, which was really cool. But um, yeah, it's I don't know how it's all sort of come to be how it is, but I'm I'm pretty happy with how it's all working and linking with the tattooing and stuff. I ta- I tattoo heaps of cyclists and. Um, yeah, when I when I finished footy, I was like really obviously into still getting staying fit and stuff like that. Um, there was there was no desire to do anything competitive cycling wise, but the more I got into it, and then the more people you meet, and you go on group rides, and you join a cycling club and stuff like that. Um, yeah, then you know I sort of got not forced into it, but there was like a lot of interest in oh, doing cycling races and stuff, and. I went in thinking like, oh, ex-professional athlete, I'll be good here. Destroyed. D-grade, the lowest grade, destroyed. And it was a real like, like it was was good to be sort of like shown up by 50-year-old dudes who, you know, I thought that, you know, in any physical like activity, I could be better than. And it was like, yeah, essentially like learning to ride again when you start competing and then sort of progress from there and cycling such a weird sport whereas like you know obviously in in footy there's like all of the local competitions and then there's like the state comps and then there's obviously the afl they have that in cycling but there's if you're in the national competition or like professional world world competition like the world tour you can still go and race in your local. Yeah. Like during the week. You got Lance coming down and he can just come. Well, so we race um, on Wednesday nights at Hawthorne, which is up on the Q Boulevard. And like, yeah, every few weeks you'll have like your world tour pro come down who raced the Tour de France or something and they destroy you. And there's sort of no, like I, it, it threw me a little bit at the start because I was like, if an AFL player went and like played local footy mm. and, and took it really seriously and tried to be like the best everyone would be like what are you doing like go back to the afl you're embarrassing yourself but there isn't that in cycling it's like everyone's like mate that's awesome yeah it's good to come down and support local cycling i'm like mate you've just lit up four amateurs who work full time and you're riding a thousand k's a week like i love it because it gives me the opportunity to race against guys who go to the olympics and all of that but um i've got one funny story that I told it that your, our, our friend, your best friend, Brock, um, it was like, 
oh, I can't remember what I was talking to him, but it was before. Um, so there's like a on the velodrome, which me and my brother do a lot of riding on. There's a race called the Madison, which is like a partner's race, and it's 50 kilometers, which is 200 laps, and you get points every 10 laps, like first across the line, etc. But every time you pass your partner you have to give them like a hand sling and you throw them in. It's crazy. Like you, you, it's really hard to explain, but it's probably like the best race. And it's good because I get to race with my younger brother. And um, somehow we got asked to race in the national championships, which was at Melbourne Arena. There's a velodrome there yeah. under the chairs. And so there was 15 teams. We were the only amateur team. I'm not even kidding. All the other teams world champions and Olympians and like we're big supporters of local racing and all of that so and we got like a bit of exposure online and I was I pretty much forced my brother into it and we got like new bikes new carbon wheels like matching kit aero helmets with visors mate it was it was so embarrassing (laughs) Melbourne arena full we're out there got the massive like like pump us up to bring us out like oh. local riders hunter roast cycling helen ray and i was like mate we're on here and i'd been we'd actually done a lot of training for yeah. it um <laughs> and i had thought in my mind i'm like if it's not that hard i'm just gonna try and put on a show just light it up yeah. probably similar to my 2k time trial yeah. and that's probably how it went <laughs> 65 <laughs> laps in not going well i, I just said uh, we had this how many laps is it 200 so we had every time you do a sling which is probably every like one and a half laps or two laps yeah we we had like a code and would say like good okay or bad on how we were feeling first sling good second sling good third sling bad (laughs) like real bad fourth sling didn't nothing got said (laughs) the voice is the first thing to go it was so it was honestly like how much you get beaten by we only did 65 laps. Oh, you didn't even finish. Mate, the track's only 250 meters long. You, like, we were out. I'm like, I was like, we're done here. So I think only five teams finished. But I don't know, one, why we were allowed to do it. Two, why we did it. And people have asked us if we're doing it again this year. And I was like, probably not. <laughs> but Oh, my God. Yeah, it's good. Give it a, mate, again, it sums you up. You throw in, you throw everything in head first. It always seems to work out. I, 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 it's well, something I did No, but it does in the long run. It's something I definitely admire about you and you know this, but the way you just handle yourself in these situations, like when something happens, you go start a tattoo company. When something else happens, you start a bike company. I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised if you start something else after this race. Like the, your, your mindset on life. I just want to get quickly, I know you like to talk about this as well, yep. but... Give the listeners out there a bit of your mindset. If if someone's not happy with what they're doing in life, mm-hmm. what do you have to say? Um, it can probably come across as being slightly insensitive. Um, be and, brutal, because you've got to be. <laughs> I will be. Sometimes. You, you've given me this feedback, and you've got to. I think you've got to. You've obviously got to take into consideration everyone's different life circumstances and stuff like that. Goes without saying, but I definitely think. If you want to do something, there's no reason why you can't. There's obviously going to be hurdles and I'm not saying it's going to be easy or anything like that. And I'm definitely not trying to be like a motivational dude who's like, you should go and do this. Oh, everyone can do it. Like, whatever. But 
you know, for, for example, like tattooing, it's really hard to get into because there's no, it's largely un, unregulated and there's no like path, there's no real pathway into it. And I get so many messages from people saying like, how do I get into tattooing? I want to be an apprentice, you know, it's become reasonably mainstream with Ink Master and, you know, the original, I guess, Miami Ink, the TV shows and stuff. And, you know, you go to 90, 90% of tattoo shops and they'll, they'll give you no attention. They'll just tell you to fuck off. And, you know, I can understand that. But pretty much, the, you know, the way I did it and the way everyone I know has done it is you've almost got to just force it. And, you know, you're essentially doing the same thing. You know, I remember after you finished at Carlton, we had coffee in Collingwood and you didn't really know what you're going to do. And, um, you know, you, there was sort of talk about you get another contract or whatever, go and play footy somewhere else. And, um, you know, I think we both decided, well, not decided, just sort of decided for us that it was like, I would, I would never be able to do a job that I didn't enjoy. No, yeah. I would be able to do it if I really had to, but I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and if you really want to do something, there's definitely a way to do it. 100%. And that's not saying, like you said before, like, and again, I've done nothing, really. I've gotten myself to a spot where I finished a career that I love and I'm set in to go to another one that I want to. But if you want to do something, it, it's not meaning it's going to be easy. Like, it's probably going to be even harder, but at least you're going to enjoy yeah. what it is. Like, again, exactly. it, when you, we talked about before, like when people leave footy and it, you're blessed with footy because it gives you that, like, I, I treat my career as eight years where it let me choose what I want to do. Yeah. It was like an eight year uni degree. Along the way, I got to play footy. Yeah. So it was incredible. But use that time to like realize what you want to do. And like, you just got to, just got to go for it. And like, you're the epitome of that. And I've definitely taken a leaf out of your book, like in doing that, because like I said, I, I, I couldn't finish footy, go play local footy and get a job through someone that I really don't want to do. That would kill me. Like I've got to yeah. be like, you got to be mentally like, ready to go what you want to do if there's something out that you want to do just go yeah. for it well that's i'm i'm 100 the same i mean um when i finished footy i signed at a local club and then i realized pretty quickly that it just it just wasn't for me and if i wasn't chasing sort of like the elite and and the best i could be that i, I didn't want to just i guess like settle for less um and that yeah if i wasn't trying to be the best then I wasn't going to do it at all. Mm. So, um, you know, like I, I guess like I look at my tattoo career and it's probably only in the last 12 months and even, and the cycling as well, that it's really got to a point where now I'm like, all right, I'm feeling like a lot of momentum. Um, you know, I can travel overseas and tattoo, which I've been doing, travel overseas and race and sell cycling apparel and got the own shop here. And it's like, there's so much going on. I'm also apprenticing my wife Bella um, so she's a part of this which is you know takes up a bit of time but it's it's one of those things like I guess like to use tattooing as the example it's like so I've tattooed in New York London and I've got a guest spot in Sydney coming up in February and you know I see so many amazing tattooers who are better than me technically you know but they just haven't sort of looked at the bigger picture of like, well, what's the best I can do? You know, I'm not out there saying I do the best tattoos in the world, no. but I'll, you know, I'll give you a tattoo that's my style 
and I'll give you a good experience. And if you want to be a part of that, then of course I'll fucking come to London and tattoo. Why wouldn't you? It's a free holiday. You, you go over there, work a few days, holiday around. And, you know, it's like you could, you could work forever in a small shop and, and never have those grand ambitions. And if that's yes. what you want to do, that's fine. But I want to be able to travel and do what I love and make good money. 100%. And, you know, like with, with your podcast and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, maybe this isn't the end goal but it's getting getting you to where you want to go and maybe you'll never get there but at least you'll you'll get something you haven't been doing something that you fucking hate and definitely not getting where you want to go exactly and that's a funny thing like i look about this podcasting stuff like from where i first started just having a chat like the hardest part starting and like by no means am i the best talker like i don't even half the time i speak i don't even know what i'm talking about i have absolutely no training in anything whatsoever <laughs> but like the one thing that you do i did do is like i do it and i do it consistently i'm committed to it and when you do something with authority and you do it with conviction people just get out of your way like it's incredible if you just back yourself in and and go for that like that thing you think that people are going to care the only time people care is if you think if you just don't back yourself yep that's when it doesn't work but if you just go out there and just like start something that you're passionate about like it's yeah. gonna it'll work and people realize you know like i have i have seen all of this is like i think the thing that makes it i guess you could say successful is that people see that it's genuine and that you actually do enjoy doing it and it's like yeah maybe if I, there was no way for me to make any money tattooing i wouldn't do it but i love doing it so I'm here doing it every day, doing paintings, everything that goes around it. And same with the cycling stuff, you know, like I love cycling. I'm not going to be a professional cyclist and I don't want to be. So what's another way that I can work that into my life? Create a brand. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, we get a lot of support from all the Melbourne cycling community and stuff, but it's like a lot of those young, young kids who maybe don't want to, quit school and ride a thousand kilometers every week to then get on a team to go to the tour de france but they they want to go well how can i have the opportunity to go and race my bike overseas they look at us and go oh well, that's a that's a pathway you know that's um awesome. but yeah it's definitely one of those things like if whatever you want to do whatever it is if you want to do it then get out there bro bloody do it get it done how about mate it's been incredible to catch up um, hopefully everyone learned a bit from that because I, uh, I'm about to go run through a brick wall. I'm that pumped. I just want to take over the world. <laughs> I just want to take over the world. Um, it's been incredible, man. I, you, you know how much I love you and everything you're about. You, you're the epitome of be yourself because everyone else is taken. Uh, I can't wait to see what you do next, man, because you're absolutely killing it. Well, thank you, Dylan. I do really appreciate it. And um, I'm a big fan of yours as well as you're one of my best friends. So I'm very excited to see where you're going next year and what you're doing. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's something very big. Thanks, brother. Love you. Love you. This episode was proudly brought to you by Bonds. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you loved it, please rate and leave a review. If you have any feedback, want to suggest a guest or advertise with Dylan Friends, you can contact me via email, dylan at dylanfriends.com. Or slide into my DMs on Instagram, at Dill Buckley or at Dylan Friends. For bonus content and giveaways, sign up to the email list 
at www.dylanfriends.com. And to get notifications on release, make sure you subscribe via iTunes or wherever else you listen to the show. And remember, be yourself. Everyone else is taken.